Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 337 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitt, and in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood, and in the heart of the offseason, we have Senators news. Yes, multiple Things have happened in the last 24 hours in Sensland, including inking third-round pick in the 2020 draft, Levi Marilinen, to his entry-level contract. We'll get Pilsy's take on whether or not this means we could see him sooner rather than later in North America, a guy we're not going to see in North America any longer. Ole Alsing has left the organization. He signed in the KHL, but do the Sens keep holding his rights, we'll let you know on that. And a uh, right they are going to hold is with Jack Capuano. Reports coming out, he was offered an interview for the Sabres head coaching position, but Pierre Dorian said, nah, not today. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Tuesday, June 15th in Pilsy. Let's start today off with a wildly impressive stat. The Ottawa Senators have already signed six members of their 2020 draft class now that goaltender Levi Marilinen has inked on the dotted line. You love to see that they get drafted and they get brought into the organization real quickly. And obviously, that goes to show how good the Sens thought their 2020 draft class was and the confidence that they have in these guys. And there's a lot of different types of players that were in that draft class. Like you got overagers, you got uh, young goalies, you got guys that are hopping into the NHL right away. There's so many different types of players that were in this draft class that getting all these guys signed just really sets up this organization in the future so that's 12 if you go back to the 2019 class where they've already signed every one of their selections now of all those picks there's two goalies one's about to be a guest on this show the other is Levi Marilyn and he has signed on the dotted line but does that mean he's coming over to North America or should we expect him to continue his slow and steady path dominating in the junior league in Finland and then ultimately hopefully getting a chance at the legal level with Carpat. Yeah, I think we're going to see him stay over in Finland, Ross. I mean, we got to remember, this is an 18-year-old goalie, and the Sens have so many goalies in their organization. And on top of that, the Brampton Beast is no longer. So there's no room for extra goalies at this point. Like, there's, like, we pretty much can slot in every goalie position in this organization at this point. Like, there's, there's guys to fill all those spots. So it's best if Levi stays over there, hopefully has another good year in the U-20 Carpat system. And even better would be if he gets a chance to back up some games with Carpat in the Finnish League, which he did have an opportunity to do that, but he didn't get in any game action. So this, I think there's still a long stretch of road before we see Levi in North America, but he's dominating over in Finland. So why fix or why change anything if he's doing so well over there and continuing to develop? One of the latest birthdays of the 2020 draft, only a month out from being eligible for this year. So that extra room in development saw him dominate 
with Carpat U20 team. 21 wins, zero regulation losses, and three overtime and shootout losses. Led the league in wins while posting team highs with a 928 save percentage, a 171 goals against. Of course, his team was great, and they made it to the championship final, losing, I believe, 2-1 or 1-0 in the final game of that series. Here's a quote from Pierre Doria. Levi made significant strides in his development while playing with a strong program at Carpat. He plays big in the net, maintains a controlled style, and is on the right path to continuously improve as he builds additional strength and gains more experience. It's our hope to see him play for Finland. Looks like he's on his way to having that opportunity. Yeah, he's definitely on his way. And he's one of the guys with Robbie Arventi that's been invited to the camp to try out for the U20 Finland team. So, hey, I, I said uh, I was going to up my Finland scouting. So maybe, Ross, we got to book a plane ticket and head over there to watch those guys, eh? Oh, I'd love to. So that's going to be in early July. They'll have that opportunity. You mentioned the two cents prospects already on this roster. Funny enough, they have Robbie as Eels uh, for his team, but uh, we know he'll be in Belleville next year for the full season after finishing off this year over there with Marilyn, and I don't see a similar path that Yarventi took this year. I think he's over there for at least this full next season, if not two, maybe even three. The caveat here being that he can spend the next three, four, five years over there, and his contract won't kick in until he comes over to North America. Which is great because you you kind of want him as like your ace up your sleeve kind of guy, right? Because you have so many other guys that have opportunities right now. Like Philip Gustafson came in hot. He's looking like he could be NHL ready. Mad Sogart, who's going to be a guest on this show later on, he looked like he was ready to be Belleville's starter next season after only seven games. Uh, perfect. 7-0 record, may I remind you, not bad at all. So the the positions are already kind of taken over. So there's no reason to rush Levi to get over here. Let him develop. It's free development over at Carpat. We know they can produce goalies. There's been a couple of real NHL legendary goalies that have come from that system. And why not give him the chance to stay at home, be comfortable, and then, like like I said, he's 18. <laughs> like he's has so much time before he's ready to come over and really start making strides towards the North american pro game yeah it's gonna be really fun to watch his development overseas and if pierre dorian gets his wish at the world juniors next year now there's more sense news and unfortunate i guess although i don't think Oli Alsing was going to be much of a difference maker at the nhl level he got his four games in at the end of the year when thomas shabbat went down with injury but he's decided to sign in the khl and he's not even going to russia he's going to kazakhstan signing with bears noel sertan in 11 games with Belleville, I probably butchered that name, but in 11 games with Belleville, he was dash 11 with two assists. Your thoughts on Alsing leaving the organization, although he's still an RFA, therefore the Sens, much like with Abramov, will retain his rights if he decides to come back to North America. Yeah, I was a little disappointed because, like we've talked about, that decor in Belleville needs all the help they can get. And it's hilarious to say a guy in his rookie AHL season is considered a veteran there, but he was one of the older guys. He had three, four seasons of Swedish Hockey League experience under his belt. He was brought in to kind of be a steady guy for Lassie Thompson, and he did get some NHL games. But, yeah, I think if you're only all sync, you're kind of you're seeing the – the words written on the wall here and you're not going to get a prime opportunity to move up from that AHL level to the NHL level. And like we talked about with Ramov, 
there's a big difference in your paychecks when you're in the AHL and you have aspirations to be an NHL player, but you can't quite get there. Whereas the KHL will dangle a nice, nice fat paycheck in your face. And that's hard to turn down sometimes. So good for all y'all seeing getting a chance here and hopefully he can make the most of it. And you know what? I'll say the same thing about Abramov. Maybe he spends time over there, improves, and then comes back a better player. So that's all we can hope for, really. Unlike Abramov, who's 22 years old, though Allsing already 25. So he's probably making this decision more so about his future and what he thinks financially is the best move for him. But good on him. Um, you know, he had a potential. He's got good numbers in the SHL. I think his game will be good over there, too. You know, he likes spreading out the puck on the breakout. And I think that uh, – yeah, he might be one of those guys, maybe not a KHL best defenseman like Chris Weidman sends abroad, but when you look at what Ole Allsing's style of game can bring, I don't know if boxing out in front of the net is his number one attribute. We know DJ Smith really values that. But, hey, good on him. He got a cup of coffee, got four NHL games, and he can use that as a, a calling card then for him uh, as he goes back overseas. So happy trails to Ole Allsing. And then the finale, this is, this is interesting of the trio of sense news from yesterday, and it's that Jack Capuano coming off a bronze medal as the head coach for Team USA at the World Championships will not be given permission to be interviewed by the Buffalo Sabres. Jack Capuano has been the associate coach on DJ Smith's staff over the last two seasons. Your thoughts on the Senators blocking a potential promotion? I think, well, at first it seems alarming because you're like, what? This guy is getting a chance to, you know, improve his life, get a better job, et cetera, et cetera. Like, why would the team not let him have that opportunity? But then I started thinking, I'm not really sure if Jack Capuano wants that job. And I, I would say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but all in seriousness, because if you're an associate coach in the NHL and you're trying to get bumped up to a head coach to improve your resume, improve your paycheck, get more respect, more experience, all that kind of thing. The last thing you want to do is go to a situation where you're not set up to succeed because then on your resume, it says, yeah, he was a head coach but he was terrible. Look at his record. And when you're entering a situation like the Buffalo Sabres, that's so fragile, so toxic that guys literally are publicly saying they can't wait to get out of there. And they, they lose the joy of playing hockey when they're there. I don't know if that's a place that you're, ju you're jumping at opportunities to get a chance with, especially when you're Jack Capuano, an associate coach in Ottawa, and things are going kind of well for you. Like, it seems like the things he was working on, penalty killing and defense, were doing all right. They're definitely improving. They weren't going downwards towards the end of the season. So I think maybe people need to take that with a grain of salt and think maybe Jack Capuano isn't interested. And that's why the Sens had to they were obligated to say, no, we're not going to let him interview. Now, I'm just, I'm just guessing that and saying that could be a different point of view, but that's something I think nobody's really thinking of here. No, I got to go with the fact that he – how can you not want a promotion when you're looking at just the size of the paychecks that come with that? And if Ottawa's head coach is making the lowest in the National Hockey League, you got to think his assistants are pretty near and dear to that, where, whereas – He's already got head coaching experience. He coached the New York Islanders from 2011 all the way through 2016-17. I shouldn't say three years fired midseason, but at the same token, it's not like this is a guy who's looking for his first opportunity behind exactly. the bench. So I think that at his age as well, what are we looking at? Jack Apuano is a 54-year-old man. I think that if the opportunity comes up where he can interview – it's his decision whether or not he says yes or no when he's offered the job, if he is. Now, I don't think he was the front runner by any chance to get this. So 
for me, it's a bit of a curious decision because now does he hold some sort of resentment against the team if it was something he wanted and the team wouldn't let him? The counterpoint being lots, this happens lots. You don't often hear about it. And it was Joey McDonald, the only uh, reporter who's been on this. And uh, he reported that from a Buffalo angle as well. I'm just not sure that it's the best move long-term. PR aside, just relationships within the organization. You should never be able to, you know, stop a guy from getting to his goals. Now, the third part of this too, Pilsy, he's in the last year of his contract. So you add that uncertainty that he has going forward, who knows where where his future holds in Ottawa beyond this year. It just seems kind of like a crass move by the team. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I can see from a PR perspective that it seems weird. But like you said, this isn't a guy that's itching for his first opportunity to be a head coach. So he's not someone that's going to really take a risk and go into a situation he doesn't think is going to be good. And then also, look, this like it's a business, right? The senators are within their right to turn down that opportunity. And that's, the, that's what they're exercising. Their right to say, no, we've got you under contract and we're going to deny that opportunity to be interviewed by someone else. Do you think that the only reason they're doing this is because Buffalo is a divisional rival? That crossed my mind as well, because then, yeah, you, you look at what if the Sens do let him interview, he gets the job. Now you, now you need to replace him in your own organization. And then let's say, and this is absolutely crazy, but let's say Jack Capuano turns the Buffalo Sabres around. He's got the magic, the magic water, the magic formula and gets that team going. And the Buffalo Sabres have a great year next year. And then the Sens penalty kill and defense is absolutely terrible. Then you're looking, well, crap, I wish we would have kept him. So I don't know. I, d- I just think y- you have to understand that he is under contract. So the senators are within their rights doing what they're doing. And maybe Jack Capuano doesn't even want to go. So I think maybe we're, we're overblowing this story just based on how it's being reported and the wording that's used. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've seen this more so, or at least it comes up more publicly when it comes to managers not allowing them to interview. And oftentimes it means they're waiting in the wings as the next guy. Do you think that that's a possibility here? That the Sens see Jack Capuano if DJ Smith fails as the next head coach for them? I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I yeah, hope like not. You're, you're looking at a guy who has a lot of head coaching experience. He's someone that's comfortable with the players. But in my mind, you give DJ Smith the chance. He's earned the right, like Ian Mendez said, he's earned the right to be given the chance to lead this team forward. And if he's not the guy, then the runner-up has to be Troy Mann. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you've heard Troy Mann speak, he's so well-spoken. This guy knows the game in and out. He well, the results. The, the, the results are right there. there. If, if the playoffs weren't canceled, we could be looking at a Calder Cup champion coach here. And yep. that's, that's nothing to kind of brush aside. That's a big deal, especially that would be Belleville's first ever Calder Cup championship, no which would be awesome. And we would have been there, Ross, if that playoffs would have happened. But yeah. I think it's, it's possible that maybe Ottawa is saying this could be a guy that could be the head coach. But if you're asking me personally, it's DJ Smith's job to lose. And if he does lose that job, then the runners up got to be Troy Mann. I'm with you there, Pilsy, but it's just curious to me that you would negate an opportunity for a guy if you're not going to give him that same one within your own organization. So interesting times. I wish to be a fly on the wall in that conversation between Pierre Dorian and Jack Capuano, but as we know, he will be behind the Senators bench working the decor as he did the last two seasons coming up. So Jack Capuano stays put, although might be a little heavier behind the bench because he's got that bronze medal from the World Championships where he was a head coach for the first time since 
being let go by the New York Islanders in 2016. Now, lots of spots where he stopped along the way. He stopped in Tallahassee. He's been in PD, Pride. Don't even know where that is. The Bridgeport Sound Tigers, the New York Islanders, the Florida Panthers, the Ottawa Senators. Safe to say he's got a lot of miles on his tires, and I'm sure that if his car broke down, he'd be all over rockauto.com. Rockauto.com, it's a family business, longtime sponsor here at the Locked On Podcast Network. They serve auto parts to customers online, and they've been doing it for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just don't do it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. All we ask is that you put locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way, they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them locked on sent you. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Senators wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter as well at SendCentral or on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. Pillsy, draft season is coming up slow and steady as we work our way to July 23rd. But today, another one of our 10 scouting entities that we're using for our average rankings has released his final list. 160 prospects deep. Corey Pronman went to work with The Athletic and there's a few notable things. Now, you mentioned that the tiers are the same for these two guys, but this is the first place that I've seen Sebastian Kosa as the top-ranked goalie ahead of Jesper Wallstadt, 10th and 11th, so right neck and neck. But do you see a world where Wallstadt does not go as the first goalie? I, I don't, just because looking at all the other kind of draft coverage entities we use, like you said, no one else has that. So I would be very surprised. But when you're looking at two young goalies, they can be very close. And it all depends on team scouting and their intel and what they leverage as more valuable, less valuable, etc. So I could see a situation where they're drafted close together. But from what I've heard, it seems like Wall said is the guy to go for. Yeah, it's going to be very fun to watch with two goalies that I think this cements the fact, though, they're both going to go in the first round which yeah. would be the first time since, I believe, 2012 that we had two goalies in the first round, and that was Andre Vasilevsky and Malcolm Subban. So it would be notable if they both end up there. Now, Promen switched up his number one. Do you find that interesting? At his midterms, he had Dylan Genther at first overall. He's now slid down to second, and, well, he joined the Owen Power train and now he's got power at number one as well. I, I love that. He slid down to number second for number one. What a, what a fall from grace for Genther there. He has made a few wildly large changes to his rankings, though. Like William Stromberg, he had 19th and moved all the way down to 79th. Like, what did he do? Like, ask he must his have mom said on something. a date? 
he said something awful about Pronman's family or something happened there that he got such a big drop. But uh, there, there's been a lot of changes to most people's draft guides, I think. But that's a very drastic change, I think. Another big one that popped out to me, Ross, was Fabian Lysel at number 22. We mm-hmm. had glowing reviews for this guy. We said his speed is what separates him from anyone else kind of in the first round top 15 rankings. And now he's out of that top 15 class. So all the way at 22, that's very interesting to me. And Simon Robertson, we spoke about him briefly as one of the wingers who's like a power forward, might do some damage. A lot of guys have him in that 15 to 20 range. He's at 51 on Corey Pronman's board. So it just shows you, and we're not saying that, oh, so he's going to go that late or, or Pronman's wrong. We're not going anything like that. It's more so just trying to explain that this draft is as unpredictable as I think we will ever see a National Hockey League draft. Not only the fact there's no top-end, number one, separated generational talent, but beyond that, you haven't seen these players play much this year. Like, WHL got 20-odd games, and OHL didn't even start up. So you're looking at the progression that these OHL kids have made, and then all of a sudden, some of them are playing against men in Europe. Others aren't playing at all. So – I think that has to factor in quite a bit here of why these rankings are so all over the place. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, this will probably be the craziest rankings ever. Like uh, unless, unless another pandemic happens and shuts the world down for a year and a half again, but no thanks. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll pass on that one. That's for <laughs> sure. But the thing is, yeah, it's crazy. Like talk about Brant Clark. Like this is a top, top end defenseman that you're thinking is going to make massive strides in the OHL this season. Whoops, no OHL this season. And he heads over to Europe. And now you have a totally different scope that you're analyzing him under. And you got to kind of, you got to take everything with, with a grain of salt, knowing that, all right, he would have done this, this, and that if he was in the OHL. But now he's up against men. He's playing in European ice, European refereeing, uh, coaching, different coaching styles. Like, every, everything is thrown out the window from what you're used to judging a player on. So it's very interesting how these players are getting judged and where they're fitting in the rankings accordingly. And that's why we've moved from only taking five scouts' opinions up to ten this year. And the way we have our schedule planned out, it won't be this upcoming Monday – But the Monday after, we should have the final rankings from Elite Prospects and Scott Wheeler to go along with Scouching and Promen, who have already given us their final rankings. And then we'll really get the ball rolling on organizing our list to give you the best possible top 75 that we can. So stay tuned to Send Central on Twitter and the Locked On Senators podcast for all of your draft preview coverage. And we've done it. So that the Thursday, the day before the draft, July 22nd, we're going to do our final mock draft and do our top five the day before that, which means we are recording the Friday episode right after the first round of the NHL draft. Exciting times coming up here with Locked On Sanders and the entire Locked On Podcast Network. It won't be too long before we add a video element to the podcast. Hopefully by next year, we'll get the YouTube up and running. But until then... We got to continue to rely on our unbelievable sponsors who make this show run daily. Number one, locked on NHL podcast for most of the NHL season, but we're looking to continue to grow. And when we want to grow not only the podcast, but our bank accounts, we turn to bet online for a wager here or there. Are you ready? 
for the NHL semifinals. They're already underway a game in, so maybe that gives you an inside advantage. Did you see something that can help going forward? Is the heat in Vegas going to make the ice worse? All these questions that you can put your galaxy brain into, go to bet online and you can wager on just about anything. It's the number one place we trust here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and they love us too. They love us enough. They're giving us one of the best welcome bonuses in the entire gambling universe. If you sign up today at betonline.ag, you can use the promo code Locked On for a 50-50% welcome bonus. So you put in $100, bingo, bango, bongo, 50 free play dollars right in your account. Put in 200 bang, there's $100 right there for you. Pilsy, you were one goal off, and I was so nervously anticipating what could happen because it was 4-1 Vegas and the goalie was pulled with over four minutes left. You must have been at the edge of your seat. Yeah, I really thought I was going to hit it, and that would have been great. I knew Vegas was going to win. That was that was the lock of the century, but yep. I was so close to hitting that over. So classic tale of Pilsy's parlay of the day, one goal away from getting those <laughs> green numbers. But we're going to get back at it tonight. And, yeah, Ross, we talked about it. This game tonight is so important for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, if they go down 2-0 back to New York, they're done. They're done. There's no chance. So I'm putting – Money on the Tampa Bay Lightning money line, minus 193, so not great odds. But we're going to combo that with the under. The under is five. I usually don't go with the under. That's a little bit different for me. But the under is at plus 115. I think these two goalies are incredible. Vasilevsky is going to shut the door. So we're going to take the Tampa Bay Lightning money line combined with the under of five. Put 10 bucks in, you're going to win $22.64. That is Pilsy's playoff parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines, get into the action, and don't forget the promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sports book expert. All right, Pilsy, speaking of Stanley Cup hockey, it was an unbelievable atmosphere last night. You could tell the Montreal Canadiens appreciated having a full building to play in front of for the first time in over a year, almost a year and a half. Wow, this has been the longest year of all time. But another step in the right direction, a Canadian team playing on U.S. soil. And if it weren't for Carey Price, they may as well not even have shown up. Honestly, yeah. Carey Price, he made a lot of great saves too. Like, sure, Vegas got that four passes. one one with Stone. That, oh, my God. Stone, Stone's face after was the best. Just, whoo, wow. Yeah, and Price <laughs> giving the wink too, looking like Patty Waugh. Yeah, you got to love that. You got to love that. But the, I just think that was the weirdest thing. Like, for me, seeing Montreal versus Vegas just looked strange. Like, that seems like made up or that this was like an AHL game or something because we haven't seen – Canadian and U.S. teams play in so long. And then for two random teams that are so far apart, Montreal and Vegas to be playing in the conference finals, it's just weird visual all around. But Vegas, they they really took it to Carey Price, and he stood up tall to the task. He had that Mark Stone save. He had a great save on Marsha show where he had to go from one side to another. But it was just too much to handle. And Vegas, they got it done, Ross, through their defense. The only Vegas defenseman without any points 
was Alex Petrangelo, oddly enough. And he played the most time on ice and had the most power play time on ice for a Vegas defenseman. But the rest of the crew was getting it done. Holden, Martinez, Theodore with goals, and Braden McNabb and Zach Whitecloud with an assist each. So Montreal's going to have to find a way to shut down the offense from the point. Well, you should not only mention the goal for Shea Theodore, but the assist as well. Are you kidding me? Give him two assists for that. The song spets like fake slap shot everybody bit and why wouldn't you i mean it was coming to him in a one-timer spot at the top of the home plate area right in the middle of the ice but he double clutches fakes a slap shot and slides it over to a wide open alec martinez now great stat we got from justin emerson who tweets out that was shay theodore's 12th playoff goal since the Vegas Golden Knights entered the National Hockey League. That's the most by any defenseman in that span. He also added two points, right? So that put him up to 45 points during that time span, passing Victor Hedman in both categories. So this one can still go back and forth because Victor Hedman's lightning are still alive for now. But when you look at Shea Theodore, what he's brought to the Golden Knights, this is one of the main reasons I don't think that Seattle will be as successful. Nobody's going to give them a Shea Theodore for nothing. That kid is absolutely phenomenal. Talk about a dress rehearsal and an opportunity to show yourself on a huge stage when Team Canada is watching for the Olympics next year. Yeah, massive moment for Shea Theodore. Like you said, what a great play. to And like the best part about that goal to Ross was as soon as it went in, Carey Price is like, oh my God, that's on me. Like he taps himself and he's like, I can't believe I fell for that. Like I totally bit on that and had no chance of getting that Martinez goal. So that's the kind of plays where Montreal's scrambling and Vegas can just kind of toy with them a little and make that extra pass because they have the time and space. So I, I don't know uh, about Montreal, Ross. I think we're going to see a clean sweep here, and Vegas is yeah. going to move on pretty tidy. Yeah. You think I'm going to win my bet then with Simmer, eh? What was your bet? I have four or five game series. He thinks it's going to be six or seven. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you're going to win that bet. You can hit him with the cheers SS after that one. Yeah, cheers SS. Can't wait to see you on a patio, and we got to get Simmer on the show, man. Talk about goalie friendly. It's, it's wild that it's taken so long. Uh, but, yeah, I'm pretty confident in that. I also locked in before game one, Tampa Islanders, the series line. I got the Islanders at plus 220. Now, we know you're on the lightning. You've been against the, the Islanders the whole way through. But could they have an X factor coming up? I don't know if you saw. Their captain, Anders Lee, has been out for months. We said on, I think, last week's show because I looked it up, and it was a, an ACL injury. Those are typically very long-term. But then you think, and he's been out since like February. So February, March, April, May. We're going on like five plus months here. And that means he could be nearing a return as he skated by himself yesterday after practice. Uh, yeah, massive, massive boost. And yeah, it was a locker room chat, Ross. We were talking about it and we were like, yeah, no captain for the Isles. He's got an ACL uh, injury. Like he's, he's done. He's not coming back. What a day later, there's a video of him skating around <laughs> on practice. Whoops. Boy. But um, it, that's massive because, yeah, like I said in the locker room too, I think there was a stat from last year's Stanley Cup Finals when Steven Stamkos wasn't sure if he was going to be a part of it or not. He ended up playing like two minutes and scoring a goal. What a legend. But they were saying that no team has won the Stanley Cup 
without their captain in the final round since like the seventies. Like it's just so important to have your captain for those big moments, because not only are they usually the best player on the ice, but they're your glue off the ice as well. So if the Islanders keep on going here, they could get that captain boost and I might be eating my words here for sure. Yeah, we're going to find out because they played about as perfect of a Barry Trot system as possible in their 2-1 victory. You almost want to call it a shutout, but that late last-minute power play goal eased the gap to just one in that series. Now, for all the talk, and I know we mentioned that Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, you're probably looking at the pair of goalies that will represent Canada in next winter's Olympics. But in this series, you got the two Russian goalies. You got to think that even Sorokin could be in the mix for the Islanders, but Varlamov on one side, Vasilevsky on the other, and we're just getting treated to unbelievable goaltending. I know before the series we mentioned all four of these guys' first-round draft picks, but so far, through a game apiece, both have lived up. Like, Carey Price allowed the most goals, but I could probably argue that he had the most impressive game with the amount of saves that he made 10 bell chances. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, like, Carey Price no fault of his own that they lost that game. Like you can only do so much. He showed up when he had to and the goals that he didn't get really, there wasn't a lot of chance for him to get those. So yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, that is a cool little tidbit. You're looking at possibly two team Canada goalies and possibly three team Russia goalies in the other series. So what a, what a great time to be a goalie friendly show. Yeah. Really looking forward to watching these series develop. You can follow us on Twitter at Sense Central. We'll be tweeting, I'm sure during the game or if not after, and tomorrow, we're going to have another great episode for you, breaking that down. We're going to start getting into some more sleeper picks with the Sens having two second rounders, 39th and 42nd. And if you look at it through the rebuild, Pilsy, we'll end on this note. I tweeted out at Sens Central, all the top 50 draft picks that the Sens have made through the rebuild. Now, you look at it, pretty crazy to think with the amount of losses that the Sens had piled up over the last three seasons, that the highest pick in the rebuild was courtesy of San Jose with Tim Stutzla. Then, of course, the moment that darkest became turned to dawn. Maybe not. I feel like there was still some dark days after selecting Brady Kachuk, but that kind of symbolized the beginning of the rebuild in 2018. Him at four, Jake Sanderson at fifth. So they're about to add their fourth highest drafted piece at 10th overall. Then you look 2019 at 19th overall, took Lassie Thompson, 26th, Jacob Bernard Docker, 28th, Ridley Gregg. And then you get into the early second rounders. And I think Ottawa did a great job with all three of them. And Shane Pinto at 32nd overall certainly looked like a steal at that position. And then Yarventi at 33, Mad Sogard, the Great Dane at 37. But then they're going to add those next two picks. So that's a pretty nice spot to be in. And then at 44, Tyler Clevin. And at 48, Johnny Tyconic. And if this chart teaches me anything, Brent Johnson going to North Dakota will be the 42nd overall pick. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. You, we can pretty much pencil that in right now. Yeah, well, let me just write that down. Thank you very much. Get but your jersey ordered. In all seriousness, though, Pilsy, with those three picks I mentioned, 10, 39, and 42, they have to take at least one centerman and at least one right-hand defenseman. Am I, am I crazy? 
No, you're not crazy, but Ross, what they're going to do is they're going to take a big left shot defenseman with 10th overall. Then they're going to they're going to take a goalie with 39 and then they might uh, they might draft a coach with 42 just to keep things interesting here. In Trent, we trust and we trust that you'll be back with us tomorrow. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Enjoy your day. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitt and this has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.